From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, a podcast with a below average death rate, because we have to assume the death rate of listening to podcasts is somewhere above zero. And also that you guys would tell us if anyone died listening to our podcast. We are the people whom you would tell if someone died listening to this podcast, Taylor and Chelsea. And today we take a look at what I would call an old classic. However, there is something wrong with this old classic, and that's that the audio is shit. So we're taking it upon ourselves to get this information out there because it's good information. It needs to be out there. It's a good episode. Mm-hmm. It just needs agree. to sound better and sound better. It will with this take on it. I assume Chelsea, <laughs> I will let you take it over from there. <laughs> I really hope we improve it with this re-recording, and something doesn't like mysteriously happen that makes it like even more shitty. <laughs> Also, if anybody died, please tell Taylor and please tell him in Whalish because I have no interest in knowing if anybody died listening to this podcast. Okay, today, we did we say what the topic is? I did not know. I just said it's a classic episode. Okay, this classic episode is, I don't know what it was named in the first place, but it's weird. Paranormal Bigfoot, I think is what it's called. And there's a lot of information that if you listen to the episode in its entirety you're gonna hear again because i'm just you know redoing the episode so there's gonna be a lot of things we've gone over over and over again because we've been doing this for a while now so the official cryptozoology term refers to the study of animals whose existence or survival is disputed or unsubstantiated however there is a debate amongst researchers bigfoot specifically being which plane he could potentially exist on Now, I know you know what a cryptid is at this point because we've covered it so many times and we talk about it so much. So you already know that term. But with Bigfoot, there's a lot of Bigfoot researchers. There's a whole debate. People don't want to talk about paranormal Bigfoot. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where people just believe that Bigfoot is a mammal. That yeah, just hasn't and been yeah. Discovered. I think it's reasonable to say there's a group out there that say that Bigfoot is a cryptid, and there's, or sorry, there's people out there that research cryptids and go looking for a cryptid creature, a physical creature, and there's people mm-hmm. who research paranormal, and there's people that research UFOs, and they're actually like distinct categories yeah. that don't really don't... interrelate or talk amongst themselves. They're very segregated groups. They are, and I would say that they probably hate the other one. Yeah. Maybe hate's a strong word, but they just don't want to see it from the other point of view or share any sort of research that might indicate that it might be more paranormal or anything. They're really boxing it into different categories of what it could potentially be. And in in which you're limiting yourself, if you're just saying Bigfoot is an ape that escaped from the zoo and he lives in the woods and we just can't find him. Obviously, that's that's not what it is. Is, but I'm just <laughs> just to bring my point home. <laughs> and he's been there for 200 years. <laughs> yeah. So this episode, I'm doing it myself. I'm guilty because this episode, I just wanted to focus on the really weird because more often than not, you're going to see people speaking about Bigfoot in terms of because they want to be taken seriously as much as you can with a cryptid. So a lot of people are saying that Bigfoot is a physical being where there's a lot of research that points to otherwise. And I'm focusing on the otherwise. 
There are many Bigfoot sightings that don't fit into a nice little box of this is an animal waiting to be discovered. And it, I think my first introduction to this, I, I'm, I'm sure it's probably yours as well, was George Knapp had basically back in the day had a few people on who really talked about these more obscure Bigfoot encounters on Coast to Coast AM. And I know when I was reading Skinwalker Ranch many years ago now, mm. there there is one reference to a Bigfoot getting into a UFO. And that's the first time I'd really ever heard, like, wait, there's stories of them interacting with things that are paranormal or just like outside of this, just like gentle creature in the woods. That's what I said. More likely than not, you're going to hear about Bigfoot being a physical creature, not the weird ones where he's seen carrying a lantern or getting into a UFO or in a UFO, just like catching a ride. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you're going to hear more often than not. You're not going to hear these really weird things, which is what we're going to cover in this episode. John Green, which you all should be familiar with, he's a local to my area actually, has a quote that I think summarizes exactly what we're trying to say here, or the point I'm trying to get across. And Chelsea, as as a Canadian, is this a relation to Red Green? No. Or is it, okay, it doesn't come up? You know what, it might, it doesn't come up. I can't just say no. It might be Red Green's brother, for all I know. But John Green's quote is, if Bigfoot has been seen near UFOs, I would prefer to consider it a coincidence or to assume that the occupants of the UFO were just looking at the Sasquatch or vice versa, end quote. The Bigfoot Research Organization, BFRO, is notorious for throwing out any accounts including anything with high strangeness in it. So, like I said, all of my sightings that I'm going to go over are very hard to find because most of them are omitted by researchers because they don't fit the standard and specifically because they don't make any sense by any natural means. And in their eyes, that just discredits the information. So, let's get into some sightings, which is our favorite type of thing to talk about. Well, mine at least. I can't speak for everyone. And I want to give a huge shout out on this episode to a book that I took some of these sightings from. Highly recommend it. It's called Where the Footprints End, High Strangeness and the Bigfoot Phenomenon by Joshua Kutchin and Timothy Renner. There are two volumes, very good books. Bigfoot sightings actually go hand in hand with areas of high strangeness with higher UFO activity and other cryptid sightings even. One of the more well-known examples I can give is Skinwalker Ranch, like Taylor just brought up, where there is a high amount of paranormal happenings, including not only Bigfoot sightings, but also poltergeist activity. Just not just those two. There's like every strange thing you can't even imagine happening. Highly recommend that book as well. I had to read it outside during the day only when I was around people because it's quite high strangeness heavy to say the least. We also have a higher concentration of Bigfoot sightings in areas where there are a large number of UFO reports as well. UFO sightings and Bigfoot sightings surprisingly coincide together, which happen quite often. I was able to find a sighting going all the way back to 1888, where a rancher, they call him a cattleman, but I prefer rancher, described an encounter with friendly indigenous Americans in Humboldt County, California. It led him to a cave where he saw a hefty humanoid creature covered in long black hair with no neck sitting cross-legged. I really hefty. like that. That's a, that's a great hefty. descriptor for Bigfoot. He's a hefty old guy. And it really paints a good picture of just what stature he's at. One of the Native Americans told him three crazy bears had been cast out of a small moon that dropped from the sky and landed. The, quote, moon ascended back into the air, end quote. So 
1888. That is quite the sighting. And I don't know if the three crazy bears were hefty either. Going on to the next one. This one was investigated under Project Blue Book. And this one goes back to Presque Isle State Park in Erie, Pennsylvania, July 31st, 1966. And four tourists from New York had gotten their cars stuck in the sand. One member of the group left to call a tow truck. And around 10 p.m., police on patrol stopped to ask if they were all right, and they were told help was on the way, and that one of the guys left to call a tow truck, so the police said they'll be back. Upon their return 35 minutes later, the group said they witnessed, quote, something weird going on up there, end quote, referring to the sky above the forest. One of the group members left with the two police officers, and the woman in the group remained behind in the car. Her name's Betty Clem, and the other is Anita Halfie. The men got about 300 yards away when they heard the car horn and upon their return the ladies said they witnessed a dull black shape bigger than man, big head and shoulders, arm like appendages, no hands, no face visible as though it had its back turned appear in front of the car before it lumbered into the bushes when the horn blew. Investigators said it was a raccoon. <laughs> I always love that investigators think that whoever's making the, the sighting like has no idea what these like creatures look like. Never seen a raccoon before. Never actually never, been in ever. nature. Yeah. <laughs> never actually like opened a children's book that chose raccoon. The UFO sighted in conjunction was described as an angular craft emitting red and orange lights before descending down to the beach where it radiated a beam of white light that tracked something into the woods. Taking off shortly after, the woman had their encounter with the creature. Two officers patrolling the area indicated they noticed the presence of two unusual triangular marks in the area coinciding with the craft's landing zone and stated, I have no reasonable explanation of the UFO. And that's that one. I could see why that made it into Project Blue Book because there was police officers involved in the sighting as well. Another sighting, October 25th, 1973, a group of farmers in Fayette County, Pennsylvania, caught sight of a dome-shaped UFO that was brightly lit and about 100 feet in diameter. They drove towards it and saw a pair of gargantuan creatures. I'm loving the descriptive words for these things. Hefty, yeah. Gargantuan. Although I wish more things were just hefty. Like this all exists yeah. in a, a more obese society than ours. <laughs> or exactly our society. Exactly. So the creatures were covered in thick matted hair, luminescent green eyes, and long arms that dangled below their knees. I gotta pick up on the word dangled there. <laughs> it's like they had no like control over them. They're just dangling. Can you imagine those things running? <laughs> <laughs> just their arms to the side. Like Not just to the side, but like they have no control. <laughs> so they're just kind of going about. And they're so long. One of them fired a gun at the creature and one raised its right hand in the air and the UFO disappeared at that moment and the two Bigfoots escaped into the woods. Okay, so who raised its right hand in the air? I'm assuming it's a Bigfoot. I assume it was the dangly Bigfoot. Yeah. So Which actually throws right in our face the fact that they, in fact, do have control over their arms, unfortunately. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a group of young boys in Trafford, Pennsylvania, witnessed a white light January 10th, 1980. The boys also report a tall creature covered in reddish-brown fur, red glowing eyes, smelling sulfurous. That's a big one. They watched the creature retreat into the woods where they heard branches breaking. It then proceeded to throw rocks from the woods. Okay, and then here's another one. 
A dairy farmer, William Bosack, was returning from a co-op meeting 10.30 p.m. December 9, 1974. I read that kind of backwards. In Frederick, Wisconsin. He had a near miss with a globular UFO. The descriptions of the UFOs as well are a little off on this. Globular UFO. In the road in front of him, the bottom was enshrouded in fog. Inside the transparent dome was a seven-foot-tall ape-like creature with reddish-brown fur covering his body except his face and distinctive pointed ears. And he appeared to be operating the control panel. And then it suddenly disappeared before his eyes, obviously, because the Bigfoot was controlling it. And he was probably like, I've been spotted. (laughs) Blip out of reality. (laughs) (laughs) This one's actually operating the craft. So there's some sightings for you just with Bigfoot in general being associated with UFOs. Now, there are many things associated with paranormal Bigfoot. So I'm going to run through them and give a few counters along with them. Things such as self-illuminated eyes, known as eye glow. Eye glow is different from eye shine, which you're going to see with, like, if you're driving and you see deer on the side of the road and their eyes glow back at you. That's different from eye glow. Eye glow is where the eyes are self-illuminating and glowing. It's not because it caught light. You're walking through the woods with no flashlight and you just see, like, a pair of green eyes watching you. Yeah, kind of like cartoony eyes where it's like, it's pitch black except you can see eyes. Yeah, which is more unsettling than just the eye shine. There are many sightings which include this and it's not present in any species on Earth. So it's definitely not an Earth thing to be happening where we're like, okay, we know what animal that is. Nocturnal animals have eye shine. Deer have eye shine. Bears and cats, in which there is a light present to yeah. f- reflect. Interestingly that. enough, moose do not. Right, I did know Which is know why that. they're harder to see at night, and you can hit with your cars. Eye glow colors can include orange, green, white, yellow, and blue in Bigfoots. That has been spotted. Oh, that is all over the map. It really is. Yeah, it's not just like green. It's like all the colors of the rainbow. Northwest New Jersey's Bigfoot is known as Old Red Eye because of the eye glow. Another good one in Pennsylvania, 1942, an investigator, Ken R., who works with Stan Gordon, is called to visit a man right after a sighting, which is amazing. Most people don't have the wherewithal to actually, like, call an investigator. They're like, it just happened. Well, I think most people don't know who the investigators are, so this guy (laughs) might have more connection to the community. Exactly. Who to call He reports he had investigated the sound of a large, heavy rock hitting his home. These rocks are too heavy for him to lift himself. Once outside, another rock is thrown, landing in front of his parked car. The man looked up to witness the devil, in quotes, in a nearby field. A very dark, tall figure with green glowing eyes, and the family's dog refuses to leave its doghouse. Oh, and listen to this one. 1972, 15-year-old Bianca walking to her grandmother's house in Dad, Chile, when a six to seven foot creature climbed from a ditch along the road, covered in long black hair, glared at her with large shining eyes. Paralyzed, Bianca stared back and the eyes of the creature seemed to admit a fiery beam of light. She felt an electrical discharge. Bianca began running. The creature followed, making strange leaps and screeching sounds. Bianca lost the creature at a clearing near her radiotherapy house. At what point, I wonder, did it get categorized as a Bigfoot? I don't know. I think it's just like a wild man in the woods. Yeah, wild man. 
I mean, I would classify it as that, I guess. June 1975 in Talem Bend, Australia. Multiple witnesses saw a large hairy iPad carrying an illuminated device along the roadside as well as a light in a nearby field. The glowing continues into other aspects. As we just saw with this, he's carrying an illuminated device. So the glowing continues with Sasquatch itself glowing. Sasquatch carrying a lantern type object, just like in that sighting being around, turning into, or emitting balls of light or fire, disappearing into a beam of light, or appearing from a beam of light, which can be speculated as being some sort of portal, obviously. So that's the light. Paranormal Bigfoot also is associated with unusual sounds. This could be mind speak, for one, being telepathy, rock building, which I believe is touched on very briefly in a previous episode, which you'd have to go way back <laughs> for now. Yeah. I mean, you could just probably ignore that I just said that, but I must put it in for purposes. Lots of accounts will recollect mind speak of either come in this direction or come with us. A woman has an encounter in Oregon in 1996 with a Bigfoot while camping. She smells a revolting odor and looks up to find a gigantic biped mere feet from her tent. He's tan-colored, he or she, sorry. And Bigfoot telepathically tells her that he is a part of a peaceful race called the Melkoi, and they're on Earth to investigate human emotion and reproduction. Which brings up a lot of questions for me if they're investigating reproduction. <laughs> What? Yeah, and there are Who Bigfoot stories person? that kind of align with that. That's the first time I've ever heard them called the Melkoi, though. Yeah, I've never heard that either. Another Bigfoot in Puerto Rico appears on Lover's Lane. Oh, there we go. And telepathically tells a girl to jump off the cliff. She did <laughs> do that and survive. I mean, she was alone at Lover's Lane. She might have just been upset. I would question a few things in that story. Why Bigfoot asked her to do that, why she did do it, and where did they get the story from? The Bigfoot or the girl? <laughs> you think it was just telecommunicated to them? <laughs> so many questions. Another Bigfoot in Russia tells a woman that the race used to live alongside humans until we became too violent and they were treated to another dimension and are prohibited from interacting with humans. I mean, they're not wrong in doing that if they had the option. That, that is a reasonable response. It is. We've mind. had enough of these guys. We're just going to jump dimensions now. <laughs> I, I just find it interesting with people communicating with these kind of things, like what kind of information that they're getting from them. Melkoys jumping dimensions. <laughs> Also associated with Paranormal Bigfoot is mimicry, which I find quite funny because there are reports of Sasquatch mimicking other animals, but not very well. This could be birds, owls, wolves, human voices. Witnesses report it sounding too deep and sounding as if there's a speech impediment. Direct from a witness, he described it as, quote, an Amish deaf person, end quote. <laughs> And I find this hilarious because if you're walking out during the day and you're like, wow, what the hell is making that sound? Like, it sounds like it wants to be a bird, but it's not. It's just like a human being like, caca, caca. <laughs> Can you imagine walking somewhere at night and hearing something like that? That is or, just yeah. not fitting with what you know to be true and correct of the world. Yeah. It would be so creepy. And especially, like, I have heard toddlers try to make the sounds of animals. That's kind of what I'm picturing right now. 
but like it would be like super bassy and deep yeah just adding another eerie element to it so this is not only sounds but actions that it mimics one woman reports a sasquatch mimicking her eating a sandwich from far off in the bushes (laughs) immediately i thought of how does that sound but he's obviously sitting like copying her actions of eating a sandwich yeah and maybe she's a real loud eater so maybe that's (laughs) like he's all witnesses reported hearing a large bullfrog from the reeds but when they approached they saw a large hairy creature oh so that one actually sounded like a bullfrog then yes it's like like, hey it's a bullfrog not a ribbit (laughs) a deer a witness reports hearing a white-tailed deer bark from 15 feet up a tree shortly before being hit with infrasound causing a panic attack it's theorized that infrasound is used to catch prey I believe in the last episode, Taylor, as well, you had shown us a clip of a bird that mimics the sound of... Oh, chainsaws, yeah. Yeah. What was the name of that bird? It's in Australia. Liar bird? Yeah. It's so weird that it would be able to mimic whatever vocal cords it has. Yeah, and it, it is amazing that it doesn't do a bad job. In fact, I've never seen a Blyer bird do a bad job. <laughs> it's almost like it's like one of those, do you remember Yakbacks? Yeah. <laughs> you record it and you just like literally play it back. It's so weird that an animal, this is an earth animal that we are familiar with and have recorded, in fact, that is able to do this. Yeah, so it's not unheard of, and in fact, that could explain some of them, but of course, those that would mean that I think those sightings would have to happen in Australia, or there would have to be some sort of report of, hey, we're missing a liar bird. <laughs> out there. All of them. Yeah. So it's just this type of mimicry is more just... It's unsettling in the fact that, number one, it could be innocent in where it's just studying things that aren't Bigfoots and they're trying to just understand it, like watching someone eat a sandwich and pretending they're also eating the sandwich. Yeah. Like you see with little kids trying to. The thing that kind of gets me is when it's trying to be another animal that's you know being sneaky like where we laugh because it thinks it's people yeah exactly but i wouldn't be laughing if i was in the woods no can i just add at this point that it not two days ago we just talked about how we are trying to mimic whale yeah two whales (laughs) and might that explain that bigfoot is in fact doing a science experiment or trying to expand the languages it knows or just trying to add new words to its vocabulary or it's trying to reach out these are the aliens or or the bigfoot is the liar bird of the great ape branch of the tree of yeah oh my god so there are varying reports of tons of animals being mimicked from cougars, bullfrog, bird cries, even robotic voices, helicopters, gongs, running water, babies' cries. That one's creepy. I mean, not that a gong is not creepy if you're in the middle of the woods. It's a Cardboard different kind of creepy. Slamming. 
Yeah. Because you don't hear gongs too much in horror movies these days. No, you don't. I mean, somebody better jump on this because that would be something made of nightmares. You hear a gong and you turn around and it's Bigfoot tracking you. Nothing is off limits for these guys. Witnesses will consistently tell of the power behind this mimicry and it just being off, sounding much like a large human, super bassy, then turning from an animal sound to something else such as barking or whooping. They will complain of eardrum pain and the feeling of sound waves in their bodies. That's the witnesses complaining about this after hearing something like this. One man was camping at a walk-in campsite which had no vehicle access to it at all. He reportedly heard a car door slam right outside his tent and went on to have further encounters with rocks being thrown at him and he heard the infamous whooping sounds that Bigfoot's used to communicate. First Nations report their specialty is bird cries. One woman is awoken at 2 a.m. by the sound of a front yard full of birds, which upon looking out the window, no birds were present. She also had a lengthy history of Bigfoot encounters, including house knocking, missing farm animals, uh, growls, roars, full-bodied Bigfoot sightings. So now we're really getting to the good stuff. Of and that's funny Bigfoot. too, because a lot of the Bigfoot sightings will be along the lines of the more normal ones. Everything goes like weirdly quiet. Yeah, that is synonymous with paranormal anything. The woods go quiet. We saw that with Glimmer Person. Yeah. Whereas this is the opposite. Oh, that's true. But what you're hearing is the Bigfoot being a mimic. Owls as well, which I always find interesting because they're so closely tied to the paranormal abduction specifically. And this gives me the creeps. I don't trust owls or birds neither here nor there. Anyhow, First Nations report to pay close attention to owl noises and in that they pay attention to the bassiness of the sound. Reports of sounds of either humans mimicking owl sounds or 80 kilobyte owls. Not sure what that means, but here we are reading it. <laughs> I think that's just a low sound. Okay, like a deep sound. Yeah, one sec. I'm, I'm Googling this. Okay. 80 kilobyte no, owl sound effect. <laughs> nope. Nothing comes up when you type in 80 kilobyte owl <laughs> sounds. So apparently it's not something that exists. <laughs> Another encounter of a couple searching for a missing cat inundated with sounds of multiple owl hoots at intense volume, which turned into jungle-like noises and escalated into insane laughter coming from further into the forest. To which it abruptly stops and a tree loudly breaks. The couple quickly left, good choice, and while speeding away they spot a large Bigfoot type creature. That is just, I read that and it just hits different if you were to put yourself in that situation. That's insane! Yeah. That would scare the shit out of me. There are also more normal, quote, <laughs> reports of a language being used between Bigfoots. One man described the chatter between Bigfoots as, quote, Japanese being played backwards, end quote. This has been dubbed Samurai Chatter due to its speed and guttural quality.
Others describe the language as sounding similar to indigenous Native Americans, Chinese, or Russian. That reminds me of that guy who says that he has the recordings of the Bigfoots whistling towards each other. Yes. His name's Cliff Barrickman, and uh, yeah, he's got a whole website of just, like, purported whistlings that he has of Bigfoot. I wonder if we can play one here. I have, um, here's all of them, so... I'll you you have link. all of them just quickly? No, he has them on his website. He's got, what would that be? 14. Didn't bring up whistling at all, though, in this episode. No, did I? Maybe. I don't know. It's not like I'm listening to this episode as I go. One man described two Bigfoot chattering he had stumbled upon as almost Hebrew sounding or Oriental sounding, but sped up like Donald Duck sounds. There are some individuals who report having lifelong encounters with Bigfoot-type creatures who even report spiritual and past life encounters with the creature. And we see these things with First Nation legends as well. These are not physical creatures. We see this with abductees as well, that it will often be a lifelong affliction, quote, for lack of a better term, and it even runs in bloodlines. So quite often, if you have these type of experiences, which is interesting that it's having a correlation between the two, the Bigfoots and the aliens abductions, that they're not usually a one-off situation, usually, keyword, and they will run in families. So a grandparent will often have the kids and the kids and the kids and they all just keep experiencing the same type of experiences experiencing the same experiences that was exactly how i wanted that to come off did that come up in the skinwalker episode too i can't remember i don't think it did there's a lot of correlations between paranormal bigfoot and abductions there's missing time there have been accounts of individuals going into the woods and after something strange happening has been gone for hours when they think only a few minutes had passed other weird lights to do with paranormal bigfoots which include orbs green flashes and even blue glowing light coming from gunshot wounds that seems mighty vague i mean i can picture what they're getting at but i'm not sure what the gunshot wound is because i have no other information so i'm not sure if bigfoot got a gun and it shot blue light Or someone shot Bigfoot and blue light, like, spilled out of the wound. I do have some questions about that vague statement, but nonetheless, you should know about it. He's also been known to appear and vanish into thin air and tracks abruptly stop as if he had disappeared. Even reports of Bigfoot gliding or hovering. Obviously, we are familiar. Chelsea, if in that last situation there, was there any type of evidence that was left behind, say like a license plate for the family whose car would have picked it up and taken it home (laughs) with them? Yes, actually, there's a whole documentary about it. Okay. It's called Harry and the Hendersons. Interesting. Interesting. If you want to, if you're interested in watching that documentary about this very subject and specifically the exact scenario that Taylor just brought up. Also, we're familiar with the Bigfoot vanishing into thin air and tracks abruptly stopping. I think that is the major thing that we know about Bigfoot. There is a sighting from a couple years ago in Coombs, BC that reports this exact thing of tracks in the snow just abruptly ending. In Pennsylvania in 1975, a group spotted a floating Bigfoot that disappeared into a strange mist. I am loving these strange encounters. They are so weird and they just don't fit normal Bigfoot agenda. We're pushed in mainstream society. (laughs) The the story is pushed by Big Bigfoot. (laughs) 
Bigfoot shapeshift. This this one gets creepy. In Washington, 1975. Not sure which Washington we're speaking of. I'm assuming the state because they have a large Bigfoot population. Yeah, and I've never heard of a story out of Washington, D.C. for Bigfoot. You haven't? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Large prints discovered which over the course of 200 feet slowly morphed into human boots ending at a house. Holy shit. That would be terrifying. That would be, imagine if it's your house. <laughs> you're like, okay, a Bigfoot must have been going towards my house. And then you're like, holy shit, it's my wife. I think I need a new house. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you discover that your significant other is a Bigfoot. <laughs> Again, a underexplored movie topic. <laughs> in which you need a new house and you need a new partner. <laughs> I, do, do you go in the house? You don't go in the house. I don't even know why I asked that question. I mean, it really does depend on the house. If it is, in fact, my house, I probably do have to go in the house. <laughs> if it's just a house, I'm not going in the house. Okay. I mean... Yeah, I th I think you're right on all accounts there. I don't know even if it's my house that I go in the house, to be honest. I might just turn and walk away and never come back. Do you call the cops at that point and say, like, look, this is gonna sound weird? <laughs> or do you just tell them about the boot part? Like, I left the house, and now there are footsteps at my front door. Okay, but they're gonna find out that it started as Bigfoot Prince. I don't think you say that part, though. No, you're right, because you want them to come. Because odds are... If they find anybody, it's going to be a boot-wearing individual. And actually, did it just happen that Bigfoot put on boots? Like, were the same size shoes? So what I'm thinking is... <laughs> Here's where he stopped to put on shoes. Yeah. There's I'm a thinking... butt mark on the ground there, too. <laughs> like, clear struggle sign. Trying to put clear on fall down spots. I discarded shoehorn. Um, what I'm picturing is like big feet that slowly become shape shifted into like high heels potentially for running shoes. There's not like a part where he was like hopping for several steps <laughs> as he tried to get his foot in. Toddler footprints, which would track. I feel like it would track. Tons of accounts of Bigfoot shape-shifting into a tree stump, logs, or rocks, either once approached or appearing out of nowhere, appearing to watch witnesses. So that would be stumps with bases. This has Ooh. been cited. Any that came up that were eggs? No, not in North America. Oh. Okay. At all, actually. It was quite a barren land for egg sightings. And on that thought, trees. There are many folklore legends of Bigfoots, among other creatures, living in trees. Like elves and stuff, but this is not an elf episode. Wood knocking is huge with Bigfoot, which Bigfoot is known for. Has been known to be spotted and had wood knocking emanating from inside trees. Upside down trees, in which trees are uprooted and then impaled down into the earth. This is seen more in the West, Canada, and Alaska. Described by witnesses as 9 to 12 feet tall, no bark, perfectly straight up and down, and no machine marks. That would be so creepy to come upon. Yeah. Just a bunch of trees upside down. I would immediately turn Is it a bunch or is it just one? A lot. Okay. Yeah. I find this creepy as well. So people who are avid outdoorsmen, I don't know that anybody looks at the trees to make sure it doesn't have eyes or a face. I know that's never been something on my like no, wood safety in the woods, right? list of things I need to do. Yeah, but you're going to have to add it there now. A lot of things that are just 
and I'm just repeating myself here because we've all been listening to the episode together, except me. I just do the talking. Just things that are out of the ordinary, creepy, that are just everyday things that you would expect to hear or see when you're walking in the woods. Tree stumps. It now has a face. It's just blending in with the woods. Birds, except the birds sound like there might be something wrong with it. And it's sounding super bassy and like it might, it, it's just kind of off. Just like most paranormal things are. It's the mimicking, I think, that just really gets me. Because it just seems so deceptive and like what is it up to? It's trying to lure, I think, is what, what I get from it. And coming to the end here, I'm just wrapping it up with some honorable weird mentions. 1976, San Juan, Puerto Rico. A woman hears her dogs barking in the backyard. She looks out to see a large ape-like creature sitting on top of a palm tree. The creature glares back at the witness with eyes that seem to emit fire. The creature then began to shrink into a spherical shape and started glowing. Finally, it took the form of a glowing sphere about the size of a basketball and floated away into the sky. Huh. And in Lugar, Penamoa, in Spain, 1985, there was an experience of a wave of animal mutilations. In September, multiple witnesses awoke to dogs barking, watched multiple six-foot-tall balls of light silently drifting around their property. Small ape-like creatures walked next to the spears, shots were fired, and they were not hostile. As we... So they're... I, I guess they got shot at and they didn't respond angrily. That, yeah, that's that. how you figure out if something's hostile or not as a human. You shoot at them. See, that's just exporting the American answer. Yeah. Or the Spain Spaniards are ahead of their time. I mean, we take a lot of stuff from the Spaniards because they came over here and, you know. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even rename a bunch of cities. So I feel like we took that from the Spaniards. We can credit that to them. <laughs> shoot first, ask questions later. But that's Paranormal Bigfoot again. Nice. Do do we have any comments or... I just assume there's nothing that you, you wanted want to, to add to the episode. It's just a smooth reshoot we needed to do, correct? Yeah. Maybe yeah. if I wanted to add something, I could do another episode. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> for <fine>. now. <laughs> no, but I think that now, was really good. I just wanted to have it redone so that we have the now quality that we are known for. Yeah. And we can almost confidently now say that we have a good back catalog. Yeah. Well, kind of. Although it's going to be sad when we can't say there's no bad episodes. Can't we though? Because it'll seem like we're liars. Pick and choose, yeah. But that's enough about us being liars in the future. I have been Taylor here with Chelsea. We are Journey to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hey, these episodes always remind me never to go into the woods ever again. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through also please if possible leave a five-star review as that really helps us in the algorithms should you wish to interact with us please check us out on your social media of choice i bet you we are there and if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible either way please send us an email at journey to the fringe at gmail.com for now i'll see you in the next episode <laughs>